I get so much out of my AMA membership. My favorite part is the networking and connections I have made within the marketing community. I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to build relationships with like-minded professionals in the capital region. Welcome to the Capital Marketer Podcast, presented by the American Marketing Association, New York Capital Region Chapter in Albany, New York. I am Blaze Bryant, and joining me as my co-host is Tom Torello. Tom, how are you? I'm doing well, Blaze. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And joining us as our guest is Josh Hammonds, who is doing an event for us as a chapter called The Art and Science of Listening, which is happening on Wednesday, May 12th at yes. 1 o'clock. Josh, it's a thrill to e-meet you and have you on the show. Thanks so much. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, this will be fun. This is good. Well, we're very lucky to have you, or, or we are very lucky that you are able to you know, give us some of your time here, as I am still, as I was saying, the title of your event here, I still have episodes of Frasier playing through my head. You know, I just hear I'm listening, which Tom I'm and I will listening. be doing for the next half hour. <laughs> right. It's funny how much we listen, isn't it? And yet very rarely are we ever taught what happens when we're listening, the science of it or the art and the finesse of it. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity to provide uh, this sort of webinar for you all in May and very excited to be able to do it. Yeah, so Josh, talk I know about I've got how... a ton of questions for you, but why don't we start off by having you just give us a little bit about yourself sure. uh, and your background? Sure. Uh, background. All right. Well, I've been a, uh, a professor for the better part of, oh boy, I guess it's now over 12 years. I, uh, I received my PhD at the University of Nebraska, and I have my PhD in interpersonal and organizational communication, which, yes, is a, is a mouthful. But I look at uh, the science of human interaction as it occurs in the workplace. And so everything from management to small group dynamics to conflict negotiation to sales pitches to presentations, those are the areas that I study and the areas that I teach. And so I was a professor up in upstate New York for uh, six years up at SUNY Oneonta before I came to Rollins College, which is uh, on the other side of, <laughs> of the United States in Orlando, Florida. And I've been here now for uh, almost six years as well. I teach in the undergraduate communication department, but I also teach uh, quite a bit in the uh, MBA program as well. And so individuals both going straight out of uh, college to get their MBA or professionals coming back to school to get their MBA. And that's really where I began uh, much of my workshop in, in both listening, negotiation, small group dynamics, employee engagement, and really sort of turned to that perspective. So I've been doing that for now quite a bit. And so this is where I am. And that's sort of my professional identity at this time. Josh, are you essentially saying to us that workplace communications is kind of like one of those high school science experiments? <laughs> you know, it, it, in many, many ways, it really is. And so we, we talk about communication a lot. We say, you know, communication is key. Let's look for the communication. But but rarely do we see a lot of research and science on it. And that's where I really uh, decided to delve into how, how you frame certain words has an impact on your team, 
how you decode and perceive certain phrases and words and tones that impacts how you respond as a leader. And so there's a large amount of research that's not being tapped into um, that I'm excited to to explore and educate the world about. Yeah. And how much has the pandemic, to use another science phrase, changed the pH of the science and the ingredients of communication. In, in so many ways, you know, I, I boil down to all communication essentially only has three goals, okay? We can inform, we can persuade, or we can connect. Now, good communication, you know, in many ways can do all three of those, but I think oftentimes business leaders see communication as a way to inform and persuade, but they don't think about the connection component to it. Inter- you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic. And immediately now we become Zoom focused. And when we've got 12 people on a Zoom call, we don't have time to have those sort of water cooler chats, chats over lunch, happy hour chats to connect and find that Venn diagram overlap with our communication. It was only a mechanism to inform. Rarely were we persuading, and immediately we felt the culture drop immensely. People talked about being burnt out, but I I challenge that. I I don't think they were energized. They never felt connected. They never felt like they were part of a group. There was no cohesion because communication is the mechanism that binds you together. And so there was not that connection. And I think business leaders sort of realized for the first time, and we're seeing more about empathy. We're seeing more about listening because we're saying, look, there's a component of communication that we've forgotten about. It's one thing to send an email and inform you. Was I clear with my directives? But it's a whole other thing to to chat and hear your story and hear what you might be struggling with and just listen for a minute so that you feel heard, so that you feel part of this team, so that you're more engaged at work. And so we removed that ingredient and everybody took note. Josh, do you think we've gotten better over this past year, though? Certainly we've gotten more experience at, at Zoom. The technology we've gotten more comfortable yeah. with. But do you think people are, are doing the things that you're talking about um, uh, better than they were when, when all this started? You know, I, I think that's a great question. And I don't know if we'll know that completely until we come back to a, at least a hybrid model or, or a more normal situation. I think we are far more aware of the need to connect with our communication, to be heard. And I'm hearing that from every leader that I'm talking to on LinkedIn who's saying, Help us. What, what, how do we get better at listening? How do we get better at empathy? How do I engage my employees far more? And so I think the awareness is there, but we'll see, uh, you know, time will tell if we're taking that time out to actually listen. And so as we slowly infiltrate back into a face-to-face situation, I'm hoping we don't lose those pain points that we've experienced to say, you're right. We, we were missing this ingredient. How do we make up for it? And so great question. Yeah, it, it's really incredible. I mean, communication really is a science, Josh Hammonds, and it is indeed more than just the basic premise of communication that I was taught in intro to mass media. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, in my college days as a freshman at the College of St. Rose here in Albany, which is communication is a loop and there's a sender. And there's a receiver. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you talk about college courses teaching communication. This is one of the reasons why I've, I've turned a big focus on listening. I think that when if you've even taken a communication course at all, whether it be in professional development, college, high school, 
most of them were probably focused on giving that three to five minute informative speech, do an introduction with a body and conclusion. And it was very speaker centric, right? Here's how you need to speak so that you can become clear. And so we send out that message. We listen three to four times more than we would ever speak. And yet there's never any training on not only how might I become a better listener, but there's also no training on what kind of listener are you, right? There's Mm. no one size fits all. See, we've got this really interesting thing in our brain um, called the reticular formation center. And, And this part of the brain acts as a gatekeeper to keep certain elements out and it allows certain elements in. So, you know, I, I use this in class all the time. You know, if you're if you're in a crowded cafeteria with lots of people talking, right, pre-COVID, um, and you're and there's 500 people in this room, what are you actually listening to? Are you listening to 500 conversations? No, your your brain channels that out like it's just white noise. But if someone drops a tray, your brain immediately picks up on that, right? It's like, whoa, what was that? There's, you know, it ignites the fight or flight. The brain says, hey, pay attention to this one. Well, we're all wired in different ways that we actually pay attention to different things when people are speaking. And so you could have a room of six to seven people around a table and someone's talking. And in those six to seven people, you could have four different interpretations of what the speaker said. It's not because this person wasn't necessarily listening, although that is sometimes the case. It's I heard different things, right? You've got this person over in the corner who picks up on the tone, the inflection. They really hear the pauses and the rate at which that person is speaking. And they're thinking to themselves, this person's not happy. They're upset. They're, they're reticent about something. Something's up. And they picked up on that. And then you got this person over on the corner who didn't catch any of that. And they're like, look, I heard these three bullet points. We're supposed to go, 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 do, do, do. And the person who heard the tone goes, oh, I guess I missed that because I was focusing so much on that. Then you've got a person who listens to it in an associative sort of way. In other words, as they're talking, they're drawing in things that they've learned before and they're pulling in a 30,000 foot view of what that person's saying. And they really get the vision of what's happening. And then you've got another person who says, "You, you mispronounced three words. And I heard that. And everyone else goes, I didn't hear that because they're focusing on the minute things. And so you really do have different people interpreting the same message differently. And so one of the things I've been doing with my workshops is, is first of all, let's figure out what kind of listener you are so that we can have like a pie chart of what your group is so that you can understand each other when you're pulling certain things from a message and you're prioritizing it in a certain way. And so I find that it really helps groups communicate better because if I know that you're a nitpicking listener and you pick up every little minute detail about it, but maybe you miss the big picture. Well, great. Then you're going to be our proofreader before we go public with this. But this person over here who hears the 30,000 foot message and, and gets the philosophical vision as the person's talking, they're going to be the one that casts the vision statement. Right. And so you've got to know your strengths as a listener in the same way that you would with the Myers Briggs or a disc or whatever. And so I think that's, that's, underrepresented in the science. And so I'm, I'm excited to bring that out in public more and more. Uh, this really is interesting, Josh. Fascinating. Just a reminder that we're talking to uh, Josh Hammonds, the art and who will be presenting uh, for the AMA on May 12th, the art and science of listening. That's going to be at one o'clock. Josh, uh, I've just recently taken over a team, right? I've gotten a new position. I've got a new team that I'm communicating with, right? That I'm responsible yeah. for. Uh, I know in your research, you, you talk about um, there are things that people take information differently and, and receive mm-hmm. information differently and, and communicate differently, often based on a number of different factors about who they are. Absolutely. As a new manager of this team, what are the most important things for me to know about my team members so that mm-hmm. I can be an effective communicator? 
I, I think that's good. I, I think we need to know what our team's strengths are as a listener. So if I know that you are a person, when I speak, you really pick up on the vocal nuances of the individuals. And so there is a people oriented listener in my group. And I know that you're that way. And so I want to empower you to be able to see ahead of time. Tell me when conflict you think arises. If you're going to be the one that's really sensitive to that, I want you to, to, you know, give me a heads up when you feel like conflict is going to happen, what needs to be mediated, who might feel left out um, and things like this. And then if you've got a listener over here, you need to know the listener that is really good about picking you know, in a critical way, the accuracy of the particular message, the logical arguments that are being portrayed, you might want to assign them as the, you know, like I said, the editor or somebody who is the last person to see a document before it goes out or a presentation before it goes out. So as a leader, I would really want to know the makeup of my team and how they listen, not only their strengths, but then what are the areas that they probably need to grow into a little bit as well, right? Because even though one person can't be the best at all different styles of listening, I think everybody could elevate their listening growth a bit in the areas in which they're a little bit weak in. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest advice that I've been, that I've been giving leaders of, of groups for sure. That's great. Fascinating advice. And I was mentioning earlier about taking communications classes at St. Rose. Mm -hmm. And I am someone who is completely blind. So body language means absolutely nothing to me because you <laughs> honestly, you can't get more blind than me. I don't have any light perception or any of that. And this whole conversation, or at least this, this past few minutes, has really made me think, my goodness, what kind of listener am I because I tend to rely on and really leverage tone. I tend to be mm. that person who can bring in that 30,000 foot view, but yeah, I'm also that really nitpicky mm. listener too. And I'm, I wonder because of having one less sense, how much that really does enhance the intentionality of my listening. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, you know, I will tell you from my research, I've been able to identify at least at this point, four macro listening archetypes. And so the first one is, is the relator. And so that's what you just mentioned before with the vocal tone, this person can pick up vocal tone. They probably have, there's probably a correlation between a, a high EQ individual, emotional intelligence. I can pick up that you are upset. I can pick up that you are scared. I can pick up that you are nervous. I can pick up that you are ecstatic about this and knowing that and hearing that vocal tone allows me to finish the narrative of the content that you're saying with a more complete narrative, right? And yeah. so if you are a relator and you have been Zooming for the last year, you probably feel absolutely fatigued and exhausted because you are missing a crucial component that you used to get when you would chat with a person after a meeting, before a meeting, and really dissect how they're feeling about the direction that the organization is going. So that's the first, the first kind. And everybody's on a sliding scale somewhere within that. And then, the, and then within the content style of listener, there's three different kinds. And just like you said before, you've got the 50,000 foot, we've got the boots on the ground, and then we have the microscope. <laughs> and so the 50,000 foot person is the explorer. And that's the second uh, archetype that I, that I call them. And the explorer engages in associative listening. So as you're speaking, immediately you think about every single course, every professional developed webinar that you've ever had, and you're tying in the individual's points to other things that you're thinking about. 
chances are you're a 30,000 foot thinker. You're probably a little bit more creative and you're probably the one in the company who's casting the vision in many ways. I did a, a, a workshop with a company um, in town recently. And it was interesting that the director was the 30,000 foot thinker. And then the person directly under them was the third part, which is the achiever or the boots on the ground person. And when they are listening to a message, they're not necessarily thinking about everything that they've ever heard or know and put this big puzzle piece together. They're thinking about action. So you're saying this, now what do I do? You're saying this, now what do I do? And so they have a really good job of synthesizing the material into bullet points, right? What are the takeaways? So if someone's on your group who stops you and goes, okay, but what are we going to do about it? Then they're probably that achiever listener. They're looking for those bullet points. Um, they probably led, read the, the cliff notes in high school and did not read the whole novel. And that's okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, but they really want the brass tacks. And then the third I'm sorry, the fourth uh, style of listener is the microscope and they're, they're the fixer and they are all about accuracy. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm going, well, 30 seconds ago, you said this and now you said that and that's inconsistent and I'm, and I'm picking on that, right? So yeah. you might have a 30,000 foot person who says, okay, you're getting caught in the weeds here. This is minutia stuff, but they're going, no, that's important to me. Accuracy is important to me. Yeah, but you're, you're missing the big picture. Yes, but, but I want us to be accurate, right? And so you can already see how these two individuals might have some sort of conflict with each other, but they're both seeing how their brain is decoding this particular message. And you have to have both of these individuals on your team. In fact, you need all four of these archetypes on your team if you want to have a really diversified, strong competency listening team. Wow. Incredibly I've, interesting, Josh. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I've done a lot of reading about introverts versus extroverts and how oh, yes. they process information, how they communicate. You know, that introvert who has that inner dialogue going all the time, it isn't maybe speaking out loud. And then the extrovert who processes information out loud and has, has to do it through a conversational style of some kind. How do those, that, that introvert and extrovert, uh, profiles fit into your research and what you're the, the four sort of. Oh, this is fantastic. And, and I'll be honest with you, Tom. I think, I think the data is still inconclusive on that. I think, I think you see lots of overlap within that. So in some ways, I, here's what we do know that the introvert is going to be far more observant. And so they will process that information, like you said, internally a little bit more before um, they speak. But, be, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their brain is wired in a way that, that looks for specific stimuli that the extrovert doesn't look for. I could postulate that probably the extrovert is the achiever who wants to act upon every listening uh, data input that they have, right? So I heard that. Now, what do we do about it? I heard that. Now, what do we do about it, right? Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean, I bet, there, I bet there's lots of overlap. And that would be actually a fantastic study to see if there are distinctions between the introvert and the extrovert. All right. You just put me as a co-author on the paper and I'll be fine. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's fine. go. I'll check it over for formatting. Make sure it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blaze, do you have an answer? What of those four, which one do you think you uh, align the closest with? That's fascinating to me because I have always or are, wanted are you to be a, a perfect combination of all four in perfect harmony. That's the other question. Oh, uh, I, I think the only time I have, perfect harmony is uh, in my dreams. Let's, let's oh. be perfectly honest here. <laughs> but as I'm thinking about this and synthesizing the information that you've been telling us, if I had to pick one, it, like th this is fascinating because the, the journalistic side of me mm. loves the accuracy. Yes. I tend to be a big picture thinker who also 
very intentionally focuses on vocal variety, tone, those types of things. Because, you know, for me, because of having one less sense, Hmm. you know, so when someone says, you know, you don't make sense, I'd say, well, I have one less reason why. Yeah. Terrible joke. But... Um, the, I, I wonder really, I I guess maybe I make up three fourths of that from the questions that I've asked you, how would you perceive that? Yeah. I, I, so I'm, I'm trying to pick it apart just as we're talking and I will find individuals that will be high on three of the four. It is rare to find all four of the four. We, at that point, I start to call bias. I start to say, (laughs) now you're answering the survey just in the, 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 uh, ideal person that you want to be and not necessarily how you are, you know, let's let a significant other or a best friend take this for you and see how accurate we can get. But I think you could be all three. What's interesting is when you're high in two of them or equally high, you get these interesting hybrids. So individuals who are high relators and high achievers might be fantastic coaches. So you're a great coach, but if you're a high uh, achiever and and a high fixer, you're a great organizational consultant, I bet. Right. And so it's fun when you put the two together and you get these interesting combinations. And I have had individuals, you know, email me back and say, I've taken lots of tests in my day. You read my mail. That was scary. This is exactly what my strengths and weaknesses are. How did you know that? And I said, because how your brain processes spoken and written words tells me so much about you. And, and, and not only your your communication behaviors, but how you act towards others, how you how you visit goals, and 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 all of those sorts of things. So, um, so yes, coming back to that, Blaze, I would say yes. You, the journalist says that you're a high fixer. The journalist also tells me that you're a high relater because you're probably really big on picking up vocal quality. And this person paused for thirty seconds before they responded. There was clearly some hesitancy. That means this, this, and this. Um, and then and then you you might be an explorer as well, like you said before that 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 30,000 foot where you want to see the big picture that, that you might've interviewed five people for a story, but this story is being told in a bigger way. And and here's the 30,000 view of the story. So you probably are high relator, explorer and fixer. If, if I'm looking at my crystal ball correctly, I don't know that you'd have to take my assessment to, to see for sure. I really want to go take your assessment. (laughs) Yeah, I do too now. Absolutely. I think everyone's going to want to do this because yeah, I love these things. That's great. Yeah. Josh, I want to think about this as a, as a marketer, not just as the manager. I certainly see how all this applies as somebody who has has to manage a team and, and make those connections and have those conversations. But as a marketer who's looking at a much more macro level and I'm trying to understand how that my audiences are going to listen to my messages yeah. in, in all the different forms that they're going to be out there. Is there anything in your research that really informs me as a marketer that might uh, impact how I decide to communicate with those broader audiences, my potential customers, my Absolutely. current customers, et cetera. Right. And, and at the, you know, at, if we're talking about marketing, we're also talking about audience analysis and we're talking about niche audiences And so there are several different social media platforms that get at certain different audiences. And so I would say as a marketer, you need to be aware of the diversity of your audience's receptivity, how they're receiving messages, how they're listening to it, recognize all of them. And if you're missing any of these sides to who they are, that you need to revisit whether or not these individuals are thinking about it from a relational perspective, an achievement, an exploration, or a fixing perspective, and put together a good marketing campaign that covers 
all the legs of this four-legged stool. And, and then I think further research needs to say, all right, your typical Instagram audience, your typical Snapchat audience, YouTube audience, how are they receiving this in particular? And so I think further research needs to be done on what styles of listening gravitate towards particular social media outlets. Like platforms. Times or not. I would think generationally too. Do you feel like that, uh, that generationally you're seeing differences also that younger uh, people listen in one sort, one way and older folks, and maybe that either that changes or it's just sort of generationally driven. Right. I am not, I'm, I'm not seeing differences between generation. I'm seeing the same fixers in Gen Z as I am in boomer generation and relators as well. And so I think the ways in which, we gather data can change and the speed in which we're gathering data might change within generations. But as far as, you know, how the brain prioritizes these stimuli, auditory stimuli, I'm seeing it consistent and and generation, there is no distinction, which is interesting too. That makes sense to me because I know people of my age, like me, who are very stubborn and we get our minds set on something and admittedly, the ability to listen kind of shuts right off because, you know, as I'm, I'm very proudly Irish and Italian, you know, stubbornness (laughs) comes with the territory and people, you know, of older and, and even younger generations, I think have the same sort of identity to a degree. Mm -hmm. So does the way we think and the way we perceive a situation, how does that impact our ability to listen? Absolutely. I think the more exposure you have on a topic and the more knowledge you have on a topic that will change your efficiency and productivity and how you listen. So for instance, the the graduate student who is still learning this, I want to learn as much as I possibly can. And I'm going to connect all the dots, right? And so you are going 30,000 foot, you're learning everything, you're learning everything, you're learning everything. And so I was a big explorer early on in my career and then I get to this MBA class and they say, you know, we want a four week module on all professional communication. And I'm going, whoa, how do I whittle this down to a four week <laughs> module or a 20 minute workshop? Right. Some people so can't even work it into a lifetime. Over. What's that? I said, some people can't even work that into a lifetime. <laughs> right. And so I've had to switch over to more of an achiever listening mindset, both as an encoder and a decoder in order to synthesize and give my audience exactly what they need to know for this moment, right? And so even even when I do this workshop in May, I could teach a 16-week course on listening, but you're going to want, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And so I'm going to work my best achieving listening style and synthesize that, condense that to as many bullet points as I possibly can and and deliver that to you as uh, efficiently. So the longer you spend time in a context, I think the less inclined you are to engage in more of that exploration listening and more about the achieving and the fixing. Um, And so I I do think that there are subject matter evolutions that happen with our listening styles. So after the workshop that you're going to be doing on May 12th, What's the ultimate oh. goal that we ha- that that you ask of us as an audience? Oh, pay pay a t- devote a large chunk of your time to figuring out how it is that you process information. Spend some time in that to really analyze that. Have open dialogues with your teams about that, and I guarantee you, you're not going to solve the conflicts, but you'll be able to see. Oh, so you're different than me. 
And that means this, and that's your strength. And I'm going to rely on that strength instead of try to fight that. Right. And so, and if you're really good at a particular style, if you're the, if you're the accuracy king in the group blaze, instead of getting mad that everyone's not like that, great, that's your strength. Then we're going to deem you you know, uh, accuracy extraordinaire and, and take that to the team and, and you lead that charge for us. And so I think oftentimes when, anytime you do any kind of assessments where you figure out strengths and weaknesses, you know, the goal is never to try to get so frustrated that you're changing everybody, but realize that those frustrations are probably because you're really good at that. And so be the change for the group. So that, that's what I hope. Um, obviously I have further workshops if people want to reach out and do one with their teams, by all means, um, I'm, I'm building that uh, platform as well uh, and providing that service. But yeah, I'll spend some time talking about listening. <laughs> Josh, thank you very much for, for being with us today. Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, uh, everyone, uh, this has been great. We've been talking to Josh Hammonds. He'll be doing a presentation for the American Marketing Association New York Capital Region chapter on May 12th at 1 p.m., the name of the presentation is The Art and Science of Listening. And I have to tell you, Josh, this is fascinating. And I do want to take that assessment. I'm sure everybody who, uh, are you going to give people the opportunity or point them in the right direction? Yeah, I've got, I've got services that I'm going to provide and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go from there for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we won't steal your thunder here, but we'll definitely uh, tell everybody to, to come to the presentation uh, and get that information. So that's fantastic. Uh, Blaze, any last questions or can we, can we let Josh go? We can let Josh go after I say you can get your ticket for the May 12th, 1 o'clock event by going to our website, which is amanycapital.org. That's amanycapital.org. Remember, if you are an AMA member, part of the return on your investment into the AMA is the fact that this is a free event, and if you're not... It's just five bucks. And you could even, if you are in a position to do so, donate five bucks. It all goes toward, you know, the great programming and events that we do here at the AMA New York Capital Region. Josh Hammonds, this has really been a listening thrill for me. Thank you very much for your time and your insights. I'm really looking forward to the event here in a few weeks. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure chatting with you two. And uh, I love talking about talking. So this is uh, this has been more more than enjoyable for me. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Josh. And as Frazier would say, I've been listening.